pulled in the parking lot. Now, anybody who knows Brent Holloway uh, and Tracy knows that they like power. You know, they want, when you mash the gas, for it to go. And so, boy, his truck was so pretty and everything. And, of course, I asked the man question. I said, so what kind of engine you got in that thing? You know, I thought he was going to say a 5.7, you know. And he said, well, actually, it's a six-cylinder. I said, what? I said, Brent Holloway bought a six-cylinder? And he goes, wait a minute. It's a turbo boost. It's an eco boost, turbo boost. I said, well, what does that mean? He goes, well... There are two turbos, and they turn like at five and 6,000 RPMs per minute, and this thing spins, okay, and injects additional oxygen into the engine, thereby boosting um, the horsepower. An example is this. I'm going to tell you a secret, and you need to know this. If you ever have a fire pit or an outdoor fireplace, or maybe you're burning some debris and you're having a hard time getting it going, you just go in your garage and get the leaf blower, okay? And you put that sucker down there, boy, if you're cooking up coals for a hamburger and it's kind of slow going, yeah, you just put that leaf blower up there. You might want to turn it on low. And you turn it on there and them glow, those coals and amber start glowing. And for long, boom, you got, it's the same principle. It's the same principle that these turbines feed the extra oxygen to the engine, increasing the horsepower. Well, by how much? Well, if you were to take a regular six-cylinder engine that Ford sells, and they do sell them, a regular one, um, you'd have about 260 horsepower. You'd have, if it was a truck, you'd have a dog, okay? Put these turbos on there, okay, and on that engine, and the horsepower jumps up to 400. So you go from 260 to 400, and those turbos make all the difference in the world. And guess what? So does the Holy Spirit. So does the Holy Spirit. Just like the turbos boost the horsepower beyond what you can imagine, so the Holy Spirit, if we allow him to, will boost the power in our own lives, especially when it pertains to service. So let's look at our first teaching point this morning. So one of the greatest ways uh, we can serve God is to serve others. I love this because I'll see it on uh, signs in churches. Um, I really, not too, not too long ago, the Presbyterian Church had it on there and it simply said this, you know, serve God, serve others. Serve God, serve others. Love God by loving others. It all pertains, okay? So one of the greatest ways, now you need to be writing this down, you know, how can I, how can, what's the best way I could serve God? Well, the best way you can serve God is by serving others. That's kind of a mantra, a, kind of a trend in our church. And you'll hear a little bit more about that in just a moment, okay? Now, get this. This is important. Serving isn't so much a matter of talent and skill, but rather the heart. In other words, what really allows us to serve God like we should, besides the Holy Spirit, is our heart. We don't often have the talent and the skills, okay? But we do have the heart, and that is so essential. So what matters is, the old song goes, you know, how about your heart? How's your heart today? How's your heart toward God? And how is your heart toward serving others? Okay? It's, not, it's more important. If you guys, when y'all get ready to hire another staff person, no matter what position it is, um, it could be the custodian, it could be the pastor, it could be the youth guy, whoever it is, the first thing you look at, is not the initials in front of their names, which might be doctor or reverend, reverend or whatever. The first thing you want to look at any person you hire, 
Okay, and this is true for the nominating committee, volunteers. The first thing you want to look at is the person's heart. Heart trumps talent and skill every time. Okay, so volunteers, this is good, not original. Volunteers don't always have the time, but they do always have the heart. If you find a person who has volunteering, and particularly in church, okay, they, they're as busy as you are. I mean, probably maybe even busier than you are. But here's the deal. They don't have the time. None of us really have the time. But what they usually do have is the heart. And the heart changes everything. So let me ask you a question. Um, have you ever wondered? Well, first, I got to tell you, this, this was, I thought this was so cool. Um, have you ever wondered what church would be like without volunteers. Have you ever heard what Dorsville would be like without volunteers? Well, we've got a way to show you today. So this is what church might look like if there were no volunteers. There is an epidemic sweeping across our nation's churches. That is the shrinking population of their volunteers. Alarming to say the least. To investigate the impact, we set up our cameras, removed all the volunteers, and followed a man we'll call Pete as he attended a local worship service without any volunteers. It started out like any other Sunday. Pete arrived five minutes late, as he always does. He assumed a greeter would open the door. He assumed wrong. Have you ever had church coffee that's been sitting around for a week? Well, Pete has. Deciding life was about more than just coffee, Pete finally answered the call to the mission field. But there was nobody picking up on the other end. To further complicate matters, Pete had to stoop down and get his own bulletin. He even had to hold and comfort a tiny human that he didn't understand. In fact, Pete didn't understand any of it. So, how can we as a church body keep this from happening? It seems there's a very simple fix. It takes a little bit of time and a little bit of effort. So won't you do it for your church? Do it for yourself. Wait! God bless him. Volunteer for Pete's sake. Uh, yeah, I got to confess, I love that video. I love it when he walks into the door, you know. But really, what would church be like without volunteers? You know, we often think about the, the quote, mega church. By the way, in case you know that, we are a large church. Um, but you think about the mega churches, you know, how do they function? And the bottom line is, hey, have you ever thought how Doorsville functions? Have you ever thought about the people um, that volunteer in our church? Well, I started making a list of the different things. And please, if I leave your area out, and this is just on a typical Sunday morning. This isn't the things that happen outside of Sunday morning. This is just Sunday morning. As an example, have you ever thought about the worship team? I counted this morning, and there were nine people on the stage. Nine people. And all but one of them 
was a volunteer. Only one was paid. And all other, the nine, they're here on Wednesday night and they practice and then they show up on Sunday morning, some for both services, some for one service, but they show up and they lead us in worship. Can you imagine if that didn't happen? Aren't you grateful for our volunteers? And then, and then there's the tech guys. You know, tech guys are so important. You know, we've got, we've got a guy back there who runs the slides, okay? And then we've got a guy who runs the sound and the lights. And then we've got another, when I say guy, it's gender, gender neutral. You know, we've got a, a, somebody else that runs the Facebook live production. That's going on. Um, probably, most likely, we have somebody running the camera um, so that Facebook can see. Um, in case you wonder how important that is, so yeah, well, here it goes like this. So, you know, if there's no one up running the camera, what we do is we set it as far back as it'll go. And all you see is this little tiny guy with a green sweater on. You know, that's all you get to see. But if you have a camera guy up there, it's so essential, they can zoom in and you can see a little bigger, not necessarily tall, but a little bigger um, guy doing that. And all that is because of, of our tech team. And then, and then there's the security team, two or three guys and, or ladies, you know, serving our, our security team every week. And so they're patrolling the hallways. One of them stays out here, keeps an eye on things. And so we are safe. They're protecting our children, but they're protecting us. And what if they weren't there? We can out. You may not even know we have a security team. And yet, in fact, um, we do. Um, then there's kids' worship. You know, while we're doing this over in the old sanctuary, uh, in the sanctuary, there is a worship service going on over there. We're about 40 to 50, sometimes 60 kids are over there, and there's a team that is leading them in worship, and it's so cool. They're singing songs. They've got a a lesson video. They're learning a scripture. Uh, All these great things are going on, but we don't know that because we're in here enjoying this worship while they are volunteering and serving over there in our kids' worship. And, of course, then, as we saw in the video, um, you've got the nursery, okay, and you've got the preschool kids, all that's going on while this is going on. Oh, and then we do have the ushers, and they're kind enough um, to take our offering. And, and if the building's pretty full, they'll help you find a seat. Oh, and then there are the greeters. And, uh, yeah, most likely, you know, when you go mainly to the main door now, I admit that. We've got, you know how many doors we've got in our church? 29. So you won't find a greeter every door, but the main doors, you'll find somebody there, and they'll open the door and say, hey, how are you doing? We're so glad you're here, and give you a big smile, and hand you a bulletin. We got, we got the greeters, okay? Oh, and we do have the coffee. You, don't, you will not walk into Dorisville and find week-old coffee. You know, somebody left it sitting there all week long, and you hit the pump, and, uh, you know, just like the guy did. You won't find that because somebody volunteers to make the coffee, and yes, to get the donuts. Isn't that amazing? And then kind of like the, the, the big one that we don't think about, are the teachers. So all the way from the nursery up until high school, there are two teachers per room. And you say, well, why are there two teachers? And the reason why is security. We know with our children it's important we have two adults um, in the room for accountability. So think about how many people show up every week with a teacher. And then there's the adult teachers, and, and how many hours they spend, you know, volunteering as they teach the adult classes. And I'm sure there's, there's a few more that I have missed, you know, areas we've missed. But aren't you amazed? I'm going to tell you what I did. Let me tell you what I did. I came up with this little idea to do this this morning. And as I started thinking of the areas of all the people, not, not in some mega church, not in Cornerstone even, that runs about 1,000 people, 
okay? But at Dorisville Baptist, okay, the number of people that volunteer every week, and I wrote in big letters on my note sheet, wow, wow. Can we give our volunteers a round of applause? Come on, come on. Amen. Because sometimes, sometimes because we don't know and sometimes just because we forget and relax, we don't say thank you enough to those who willingly serve. And some serve every week, um, and some of them serve maybe once a month, but they serve. And it's just an amazing, amazing thing. And it happens, you know, Dorisville could not happen without its volunteers. Dorisville could not happen without its volunteers. So today, our teaching point um, is that, you know, the Holy Spirit enables us to do life abundantly. Now, what that means is the Holy Spirit individually and cooperatively as a church, the Holy Spirit enables us to do more with less. Just like the turbo in the engine increases the horsepower, so the Holy Spirit enables us to do much more than would be normally possible to do more with less. And that's whenever... And that is wherever. And by the way, let me just make sure you understand, if we were to take time to count all the volunteers that do stuff during the week, we would be here a while, all right? So the Holy Spirit is also the essential source of power, the essential source of power. He is the turbo. We have talents and abilities, okay, all right? But he's the essential source. He's the turbo that gives us the power to do the work of God effectively and efficiently. Now, I could stand up here and talk without the Holy Spirit, but you wouldn't want it. The team here could, could lead without the Holy Spirit, but you wouldn't want it. Your teachers could teach without the Holy Spirit, but you wouldn't want it. We need the Holy Spirit as we serve Him and as we volunteer for Him for the kingdom of God. He enables us to serve both God and others. Both God um, and others. It's just so very, very important. Now, Corey Ten Boom, now she was, again, a Holocaust survivor. Um, her sister died in, in the concentration camp. She lived, and she became a great uh, leader um, in the Christian movement. And he, she understood the importance of the Holy Spirit, the essentiality of the Holy Spirit in life. Okay? Now, oh, oh, bye-bye. Warning, warning. The more talents and ability you have, the easier it is not to think about the Holy Spirit. You know, give a guy that's got some teaching ability, he can stand up and teach a lesson, and he kind of, you know, the Holy Spirit thing, yeah, well, maybe, you know. But, but Corey Tim Boom understood just how essential um, he is. Look at this. Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength. Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing. I can say yes, and you probably know. Exhausting. I could say yes, and you know, and tedious of all work. I mean, I tell you, when, you, when you're doing God's work, particularly inside the confines of the church, it can be confusing, exhausting, and tedious. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just slows out of you. So that's the essentiality of the Holy Spirit. We, are, we all, every believer has the Holy Spirit, we need to be surrendered, and that means we need to be filled. We need to surrender to the Holy Spirit, and when we do, it's an amazing thing. The love and service of Jesus simply 
flows from us. It's amazing. So what we want to do is we want to look at Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8, the first part and the second part, and then a couple other scriptures. Um, have you ever heard somebody say this? You know, they say, I would become a Christian, um, but I could never do that. I, I, I just would I just could not live. And you know what the sad part is? They don't understand that Christians don't live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit lives the Christian life through them. Through them. See, we miss that. You know, if if we all had to keep all the rules and stuff, man, we would fail miserably and end up lost anyway. But but if we have the Holy Spirit, okay, amazing things can happen. We can live the Christian life through, the Holy Spirit lives it through us, okay? Well, same way with serving. We can serve. All of us can serve. All of us can do something. But I have observed through my 42 years as a pastor, personally and life of churches, when people serve without the Holy Spirit, they are miserable. They get quickly burned out and they quit and they quit. So the Holy Spirit is our power source, okay? So Jesus made this promise. Right before he went to heaven, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive power. Um, you will receive the power to serve God when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So you should write that down. So the, if you are a staff person like me, or if you're a volunteer, whether you know, on Sunday morning or during the week, or if you perhaps you help in a paraministry like Operation Christmas Child or Samaritan's Purse or something like that, okay? You need to understand this was essential. It's essential that you work within the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? And Jesus has promised he will come um, upon you. Now, Jesus put this in really simple terms for us to understand the importance of the Holy Spirit. Look at John 15, 5. Now, notice, again, I capitalize these words, I am, because, again, this is not a play on words that we preachers love to use. The bottom line is, you remember back when Moses was saying, well, well God, who am I going to tell these people sent me? And God said, oh, you're going to tell them that I am sent you. And then, Jesus, and then God said, I am that I am. I am who I am, okay? So when we see this particular like this, I am the vine, it's more than just a transition into talking about the vine. It is Jesus' way of saying that he is God, okay? So here's what he's saying. As God, as God, I am the vine and you are the branches. Okay, what a clear illustration, okay? So here we are, and Jesus is the, the power source, Okay, he's the trunk of the vine. Okay, and what are we? We're branches. We're branches. Okay, so he tells us, look, as God, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Don't forget that. I'm God, you're not. Okay, I'm God, I'm the power source for you. You're simply part of the vine as a branch. The one who remains in me and I in him, the one that remains in fellowship and relationship with me, okay, produces what? Much fruit. So, so Jesus is saying, when you're hooked up with the vine and you're dependent on the vine, then you're going to produce much fruit. Likewise, when we serve God and we serve God in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of fruit. And guess what part of that fruit is? Joy! You actually enjoy serving God. It doesn't become uh, tedious and confusing and hard. It becomes something you enjoy. Um, you know, you produce much fruit because 
you can do what? Nothing. You can do nothing. I mean, you can teach, and you can, you can be on the worship team without Jesus, but it's nothing. It's nothing. There's no fruit. There's no power. This is, this is so, so, so um, important. You know, Charles Spurgeon, he's one of the old dead guys, okay? Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. He just echoes what Jesus says in John 15, 5, okay? We are as ships without wind. So here's, here's a ship. It's in the water. It's a sail ship, you know, one of those three mass jobs, okay? It's sitting there, and there's no wind. Charles Spurgeon says that's how we are without the Holy Spirit. You can, you can teach and you can preach, but there's no wind. You're not going anywhere. You can lead worship, but there's no wind. You're not going anywhere. Uh, you can teach Sunday school, but if there's no wind, you're not going anywhere. So we need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit um, in our lives. So then comes the second part, okay, of, of verse number 8, Acts 1, 8b. And here's what he says. You know, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay, what am I supposed to do with this power? Well, Jesus tells us. And you will be my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Now, I really like this because, again, when we think about witness, sometimes we think about our mouths only, a mouths only. But the truth be known is that our lives are the best sermons, can be the best sermons um, that we preach. The best witness we are sometimes is not what we say, but what we do. Not what we say, but what we do. It's hugely important. Um, I wrote down the phrase, wordless sermons. Wordless sermons. Now, um, there's great debate, and probably rightfully so, um, St. Augustine, not the town in Florida, but the saint that lived a long time ago. Um, St. Augustine is partially credited with saying something. Some people believe he said it, and some people said he did not say it. And then there's a third group that says, this is heresy. If he said it, he never should have. Here's what he said. Preach the gospel, if he said it. Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And again, some of our friends would say, you know, the gospel's got to be preached. And of course it does. But some of the best sermons we ever preach don't have any words. It's when people see us acting like Jesus and being like Jesus and, and doing, doing the Jesus stuff. Some of the best sermons you'll ever hear are not preached from this or any stage by any speaker, but they're in the lives of the people. I'll give you an example. You know, the guys just got back from um, New Orleans, and we had the report on Wednesday, and a lot of things were said, all of them value, valuable. I'd already heard the story, but I heard it fresh and anew um, on Wednesday night. And it wasn't from the guy who did it. It was from another guy. Um, so, yeah. So, so a couple of guys were walking on the streets of New Orleans. And um, there's this homeless guy there. And, again, I, he don't want me to use his name, but I'm the preacher. you know. And so it was Ryan Brazier. So Ryan Brazier stops, and, 
and talks to this homeless guy. And he notices, and his name is Jesse, by the way. I love it because Ryan said, the name that's important in this story is not me, it's Jesse. And so Jesse didn't have any shoes. And so this was said Wednesday night. Uh, Rod Clayton and Ryan Brazier had been friends forever, and they had this tennis shoe fetish. I mean, they're like dozens, dozens, dozens of pairs of... You ladies think you got a lot of shoes? You go check Ryan and, and Ross' closet. They love tennis shoes. And we're talking about, we're not talking about these $20 kind. We're talking about $150 kind, you know? So anyway, so Ryan has a pair of his cool tennis shoes on. And so he sees this guy has no shoes. And so you know what he did? You can guess, can't you? Yeah, he reached down and untied his shoes and then helped the young man put them on. Put them on. And oh, yes, yeah, they, he had to walk the rest of the way home, well, to the bus in his stocking feet. Now, there was a lot of sermons, I'm sure, preached in New Orleans that were valuable. But you know, for me, the most valuable one, it was a sermon without words. It was when a young man spoke to another young man and showed him, oh, I like this, showed him the gospel of Jesus Christ. More important than what we say is what we do. So you will be my witnesses, and it may involve words, and it may not involve words. You may be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, and you do that with your mouth, and you do that with your actions. Well, where's all this going to happen? Well, it's going to happen in Jerusalem. And, of course, our current context would be it's going to happen in Harrisburg or Sling County or perhaps even a little bit further than that. That's our Jerusalem. And Jesus says we're going to be witnesses you know, so Dorsville Baptist Church needs to be a witness in its own community. Sometimes people will say, you know, why do we go to Africa? There's so much to do. Do you have any idea what we do in Harrisburg? Let me just tell you a little number that you may or may not be aware of. Last year, Dorsville Baptist Church gave $12,000 in benevolence. People who walk in our door, make a phone call, and meet with one of our deacons, Donnie Billman, and probably 90% of them we help. And the 10% we don't, there's a reason why. We minister to our Jerusalem. Oh, did I mention the fact that when John Billman talks to these people, he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ? Oh, did I mention that, was it last week, that a young woman, he asked the question, you know, so in your opinion, how do you go to heaven? She goes, you got to be saved. And he said, are you saved? She said, no. And he said, you want to be? And she said, yes. And right there, right then, she received Jesus Christ as Savior. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. The church that you belong to gave $12,000 last year to people in need. That's helping our Jerusalem. Of course, then there's Judea. And for our purposes, that would probably be New Orleans. Um, that could be Chicago. It could be East St. Louis when we go to the Christian Activity Center. And a lot of other places where we go and minister. Uh, Operation Christmas Child when we do the work here. Okay? Uh, Operation Our Judea. So he said you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem and, and Judea. Oh, oh, and in Samaria. I love this. I heard this a long time ago. And it's so true. You're familiar with the fact that there was a racial war between the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, the Samaritans were half-breeds in the eyes of the Jews, and the Jews were pure-blooded, and they hated each other. Particularly, the Jews hated the Samaritans. Okay? 
So there's a racial wall, a racial war going on. Okay? And you know what Jesus said? There are... He said, there are no racial walls in my church. He said, there are no racial wars in my church. We need to be the kind of church. And I know you can't say you don't see color because I know the African community is very much proud of their heritage. And should be. And should be. But we should not see a man as a woman or child as black and white. We should see them as someone that Jesus Christ died for. And if they come in with tattoos, so be it. If they come in with piercings, so be it. If they come in and they smell like they've been on the street for five days because they have, so be it. Let's be the church that is a witness in Samaria. And then to the ends of the earth. Yeah, that's why we go to Africa and and that's why we see those flags up there. All those flags represent a nation where our feet have touched. Okay? So, so, so people say, well, do we have to do all of that? And the answer is yes. See, when Jesus said, you know, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the othermost parts of the earth, he wasn't saying you can pick one. It's all four. Every church has all responsibility to do all four of those. That's in giving, that's in praying, and that's in going. You may never, your feet may never, (laughs) your feet may never touch Africa, but your dollars can. Guys, this is so important. It's so important. We gotta pray, we gotta give, we gotta go. Because we are to be witnesses. And Jesus said, we got the power because we got the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. So our our teaching point is part scripture, part teaching point. Look look what Peter writes. In 1 Peter 4.10, he said, God has given each of you a gift. So if you're a Jesus follower, one, you've got to understand you've got the Holy Spirit. Okay. And two, you have a spiritual gift. Okay, so God has given each of you a gift from his great variety. I love this. The great variety of spiritual gifts. And, and you know what's funny about spiritual gifts? I love this. Sometimes it's a good match. You know, you, you have a gift to talk. And God, you know, gives you the gift of preaching, you know, teaching. And then sometimes it's not. <laughs> you, you know, speaking scares you to death. But God knows your potential and gifts you with that. So God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to do what? Use them well to promote Dorisville. Use them well to promote yourself. Use them well, no, to serve one another. That's why God gives us gifts. It's not about us. It's not about a denomination. It's not about a church. It's to serve others well. Serving God is not a duty, but a privilege to be grateful for. Amen and amen. Well, a couple more scriptures. I don't even know what the clock is. Oh, I forgot a minute. That's not very long. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse number 11 is such a great scripture. Um, never be lazy, 
but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I like that. It's a little, it's a little harsh. Don't be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. It's just about right now. Pause. Um, you know, there are some people would use this platform or, or something else and guilt trip you. Some people are just convinced if we can, Dwayne, if you'll just get there and tell them, tell them, Dwayne, you know, that we can guilt you into serving. No. One, guilt is a terrible motivator. And two, it never lasts. And three, Jesus didn't do it. Jesus didn't do it. So don't take this as a chastening voice. It's just a warning verse. It's just a warning. Don't be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Now, I need to tell you the truth again. No guilt. This is not a guilt trip. This is a true thing you need to know. Um, Is that across the board, this is a nationally known uh, survey result. And, and actually, it's probably about, about, about 8% now. But, but the bottom line is this. It's called the 90-10 rule. And in any church, in any denomination, about 10% of the people do 90% of the work. No guilt. That's just a fact. Okay. In fact, by the way, about 10% of the people will give 90% of the money. That's just the way it works. But I want you to hear it doesn't have to be that way. Because God, through the Holy Spirit, has given you his power. And guess what? You can serve. You can serve. Now, you might say, well, Dwayne, I, I serve, but Dwayne, I'm old now. I'm old now. Well, let's look at this, this uh, quote from Rick Warren. Faithful servants never retire. You can retire from your career, but you will never retire from serving God. Now, first off, I'd love to remind you now, because I can say it with clarity, I'm old. I hope I don't act old, but the truth is I'm old. I'm 70 years old, so I feel free to talk about this, okay? So I I want you to understand that that as a servant of God, okay, I hope you understand there is no... Well, there is retirement, but you probably don't want that yet because it means you die, (laughs) okay? But yeah, yeah, so faithful servants never retire. Now, you can retire from your career but you never retire from serving God, okay? All right, so senior adults, you need to hear that, but hear this too, okay? Um, Number one, uh, truth be known, um, as we get older, all right, as we get older, um, our ministry may change. I remember one of our our ladies, one time, a faithful lady, I can't remember who it is, she's probably in this room, and one year she said, I just can't keep the nursery anymore. I can't lift the babies. So, so the truth is, senior adults, okay, your ministry may change. My ministry is going to change someday, okay? So my ministry, your ministry is going to change. You may not always be able to do what you're doing. I remember um, our, my first stack of chairs was in 2006, and I was 52 years old. And I was, I was pretty good. I, I'm not saying I was buff. But I was strong, and I would get them chairs, baby. I'd lean back on them suckers, and away we'd go in there. Well, Sunday night, 70-year-old Dwayne still did it, but there were some groanings which could not be uttered. 
And a couple of times, a couple of times, you even helped me with one, didn't you? So Brent comes over and helps me pull it back. 70-year-old Wayne can't do what 52-year-old Wayne did, but he can do something. Amen? So, so, so understand that your, your ministry may change, and you may slow down. You may slow down. You may not be able to do all that you used to do. That's certainly understandable. But can I give you a word of encouragement? Don't quit. Don't quit. We need you. We need you. There's so many things that, that you may not be able to, used to be able to do, but can't do now. But there's so many things you can do now. Your wisdom, your guidance, your direction, your love, your compassion, sometimes your tenderness are all things um, that we need. So, faithful service, we shouldn't retire. Uh, you can retire from your career, but don't retire from serving. Keep and ask God, God, what, what's next? What's next? God, what do you want me to do? Um, that is next. Okay, one more verse, and we are out of here, okay? And this is Colossians chapter 3, and this is such a great verse. Um, actually, two verses. Colossians 3, 23 and 24, okay? Number one, Paul writes to the church Colossae. It's Paul writing, whatever you do, do, do it from the heart. We already talked about that, didn't we? Remember? They may not have the time or skill, but they always have the heart, remember? Yeah, Paul just says that. Whatever you do, do it from the heart, now watch, 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 as something done for the Lord and not for people. Being a professional people pleaser, this is a challenge for me, okay? Because I like it when people go, Dwayne, you're doing a good job, Dwayne, you're doing a good job, doing a good job. And then when, Dwayne, when they don't say that, I get all discouraged and pouty and puffy, you know? But I need to remember, I need to remember that I'm not doing it for people. I'm doing it for the Lord. And this will really help you. If you're up to your eyeballs in service, maybe you're doing too much. Okay? Maybe you're doing too much. But you're up to your eyeballs, and you are getting weary, and you're getting burned out. Okay? All right. First off, evaluate what you're doing. You may be doing too much. I cannot believe I just said that. I hear the nominee. Yes, is this the nominating committee? I quit. No. <laughs> no. no. But anyway, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, remember you're doing it for the Lord. It will help you when, you're, when you understand you're serving for an audience of one. That way, if you don't get the encouragement you need to continue, the appreciation that you need to continue, you know this, God's got it. Amen? God's got it. He's up there going, yay, yay, that's my servant. It's my servant. So when you don't get the appreciation you need here, and we're terrible about saying thank you sometimes, when we don't get that, then remember that the Lord sees it. In fact, he goes on and says this, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. The reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. That's so big. Let me close with this sermon illustration. You remember Jesus told this parable, and you know it's all in the future, and and, you know, Jesus is standing. He's got what he calls the lambs over here, the sheep over here. And he goes, guys, congratulations. You know, you, you fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. You came to see me in prison and on and on. And finally they go, I have a question. Yes, Jesus said, when did we do that? We don't remember feeding you or clothing you or doing this or doing that. We don't remember that. And you know what Jesus said? He says, hey. When you did it to the least of these people, you did it to me. So when you're serving and the appreciation doesn't come and, and, and you're tired, 
And we all get tired, don't we? We all get tired. Just remember, you serve the Lord God. What you do, when you do it from the heart and the power of the Holy Spirit, you do for the Lord God. I want to close by doing this. I just want to say thank you. I mean, I, it's one of those epiphany moments this morning when I was making that list of all the people on a typical Sunday morning. I'm not talking about back to school when it's not uncommon for us to have 200 people show up to serve. That's awesome. I think it's amazing that there's probably 55 people serving this morning somewhere in this building. And, and they're faithful in doing it. So thank you. And so I kind of thank you for your service and what you do. And as your friend and as your pastor, may I encourage you, encourage you to begin serving or to keep serving, even if it means a change and doing something different. Would you bow your heads, please? Thank you for your patience today so much. This has been an encouragement to me to get to share this truth with you. In fact, this series in the Holy Spirit, I've been a Christian now for a little over 50 years, and it just really was eye-opening for me. You know, Am Graham Lotz talked about how that she used to see the Holy Spirit as that, that she was the Holy Spirit's responsibility, and then she realized that the Holy Spirit was her friend. And he didn't help her because he had to, but because he wanted to. So I hope this has been an encouragement for you. And, and Dwayne, what, what, what do we do with this? Um, if, you, if you're wondering, if you're wondering what would God have you to do, man, just pray. Don't rush it. Just say, God, you know what? I, I, there's something I think you want me to do. I don't know what it is, um, but would you show me? And give God some time to answer. Give God some time to answer. If you're, if you're weary today, um, and again, I'm going to say it for the third time, and I can't believe I'm saying this. You know, I know some of our folks are just way overloaded, okay? Perhaps God asked God, God, is this something that you want me to do? And um, I know I told Trey this week, I said, we sometimes think if I don't, it won't. In other words, if I don't do it, nobody will do it. And we find ourselves overloaded that way. So ask God to affirm um, what you're doing. Now, if you're here, and I, we mentioned Jesus along the way, if you're here today, this is called our decision time. Brother Brent's going to be standing down front. And um, if you say, you know, I want to know more about this Jesus. Is he that worthy of serving? And he is. And so if you'll come and see Brother Brent. And by the way, Brent, we had a young man get saved after first service. Uh, Klein did. So we're, we're rejoicing and celebrating that. Okay, God, thanks for letting me talk today. Thanks for letting me preach. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for being all that you are. And, and so much more than what we are able to include. Uh, thank you for being our best friend that lives within us. Pray you bless our church, Lord. Help us to keep doing your will. Um, Father, help us to keep reaching forward in what you've called us to do. And uh, we love you. And I thank you, Father, for every person here today. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.